Welcome to Galaxy Forum. I'm your host, Melissa Kaplan, and we're here to explore issues and ideas that matter to the LCC Galaxy in our classrooms and on campus, and to see how the work of our stars connects with the community and how the community connects with us. Today, I have three guests joining me to talk about two very different waking activities that can help improve students' academic performance. And I mentioned waking because sleeping, of course, is something that is crucial to academic performance. But we're going to focus on these two other activities. And I want to welcome Mary Crows, who is an Associate Dean in LCC's Health and Human Services Division. Thanks, Mary, for being here. Thank you for having me. And Karen Hicks is LCC's Director of Assessment in the Center of Data Sciences at LCC. I'm Melissa. Hi. And together, they've led a team researching the impact of cardio activity on academic success. Also joining us is Dr. Jonathan Tenbrink, or Dr. J, as his music students know him. He's the professor and program faculty chair of the music program. And he has studied and spoken about the positive impact of playing music on many aspects of life, from longevity to decision-making to academic performance. So music and exercise are two great ways of engaging, and I want us to talk about what they have in common and how they differ, and really, really, how do they help students with their academic work. It's all going on in the brain as well as the body, but let's start with the brain, and let's start with music. What happens to your brain on music, John? Oh, so many wonderful things. Uh, so when you're when you're playing music, and I mean as a performer, as a musician who's creating the thing, it's going to be different than when you're someone who's say listening listening in the car or in a dark room by yourself and trying to elevate your mood. Um, listening to music has profound impacts by itself. When you play it, now we're engaging both hemispheres of the brain. We're looking at creativity in addition to problem solving. We're looking at anticipation. We're looking at how are we going to build patterns and recognize patterns, and we're looking to diffuse smaller and smaller and smaller bits of information and then rebuild them together using our fine motor skills to do so to create the music that we want. And so it's really activating uh, and giving a workout to virtually every center of the brain at the same time. And it's not just those listening skills or the you want to be the creative uh, individual that most people associate with being a musician, uh, but it's those fine motor skills, it's the concentration centers, it's the linguistic centers that really get impacted quite heavily. And that was, those can have profound impacts on your ability uh, in the classroom for math. Profound impacts for someone who say English is a second language now in the classroom here in America uh, and having difficulty distinguishing the difference between uh, uh, we'll say pet and bet, which have very, very similar sounds, but they're just slightly different. And we want to be able to, to differentiate those things to better understand or to more quickly understand. Uh, and those are some of the, the, the quick, here's the academic uh, impact that playing uh, an instrument or, or singing or being the active musician can have in the brain. So that, when you say fine motor skills, you're talking about the actual manipulation of an instrument, whether it's a, a guitar or a keyboard that you have to be able to, to, to physically play that, not just sit back with headphones on and enjoy a song? Uh, the short answer is yes. The longer answer is, but it gets even better than that. Because if you have trained in any any sort of meaningful way, and you don't have to be good at it, but if you have trained on that instrument, even as a singer, and now you listen to something that you're familiar with, there is a muscular response. There is a, a, a an electric signal that will go to the, the, the muscles involved in creating that sound in the first place. So if I'm a guitar player and I'm hearing that riff that I've practiced 75,000 times, uh, and now I hear somebody else playing it, there will be a stimulus to all the muscle groups involved in making that sound myself, even wow. if I'm not making it. And that, that response is happening in the brain as well. So yes, you have to be playing, but the listening part of it, once we get to that level, still has an impact, which is really fun. That makes sense. And and you mentioned being able to distinguish between sounds, for example, uh, between two words that, that are really similar for 
for example, somebody who for whom English is a second language, how does music help with that? It's a linguistic center, and it's being able to differentiate the sounds that we're hearing, especially different sounds in the midst of chaos. So when when you're breaking down as a musician, where does my part fit within everybody else's? We're finding those patterns, we're finding those minute differences, and so it attunes our, our listening center, it attunes our linguistic center to be able to find those smaller and smaller differences so we can spot them uh, more readily. Okay. So as far as exercise, how, and, and so what's going on in the brain when you're playing music, how does what's going on in the brain when you're exercising relate and differ? Sure, there's a lot of similarities there. Um, one of the activities that we do with our students and with our faculty and staff here is what we call brain breaks. So we're specifically asking these people to cross their midlines when they're exercising. Cross their midlines, meaning? So, meaning if you were to cut me in half from head to toe and split me into the right and left side, and I cross that right and left side, I'm now engaging both sides of my brain. So that left and right hemisphere. That is what stimulates the hippocampus. Um, and what's the hippocampus? The hippocampus is a gland in the brain where memory and learning take place. Um, one of our psychology instructors would use this in her class, and she'd say it'd be like a hippo walking across campus, and that helped her students remember what the hippocampus I was. I love that. It, yeah, it, it's a great, because you can picture it, right? You can see a big old hippo charging through LCC's <laughs> campus. Um, everybody knows exercise, cardiovascular exercise, running, biking, walking. It helps us physically. I think that's a well-known Thing. I also think people are understanding it helps us mentally with depression and anxiety. But I think the piece that they're missing is the effect that it has on the brain and the results that we're seeing here at LCC for our students um, that are now seeing increases in their grade point average. So they're seeing their grades go up when they perform that cardiovascular exercise. And that's a study that we've done since 2017. We have over 14,000 participants in that. Um, John, Karen, and I have talked, and we know that music and physical activity has that cross and that effect on the brain, and how can we work together and partner and really make our students learn. He talked about the concentration, the abstract reasoning, like all the great things that are happening in the brain while listening to music or performing physical activity. So there's a lot of great crossover there that can just help our students and even our employees if we're promoting employee wellness as well. Definitely. So tell me a little bit more about that study. How how did you come to to start it in the first place? Had you done some research and, and had some inclination that this would be worthy of time and effort? Sure. Great question. Uh, we had an administrator at the time, Tiller Landick, that read a book from Dr. John Rady, whose research is all in exercise in the brain and the effects that it has. And there's more and more coming out um, with Alzheimer's, dementia, people that may have attention deficit, like a lot of great things. So he has, it's called Spark, super easy read. I recommend it to everybody um, that really explains how the brain is affected with the physical activity. Tiller read the book, shared it with her colleagues. And then one of our other colleagues, Amy Stokes, actually wrote her um, master's thesis on this and did a short survey of LCC students here. And because of that feedback, we decided to pilot a program um, in the fall of 2016 with one of our courses called Total Fitness. It's a two-credit course that we house right in our fitness center here at LCC. And we asked these students to perform 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise and then go take a hard test exam or give a speech. We didn't tell them what class. We wanted these students to pick the class that was hard for them. So it did not have to be a health and human services class. It could have been a math class. It could have been an English class, a psychology class. And from that survey when they reported back 
we did see that their test scores were increasing. And we thought, hmm, we're on to something here. And through program review here at the college, um, we had Dr. Prostowski, as our provost at the time, had heard the information and said, you need to do more. You know, quit with the pilot. This needs to be, you need to launch. So we decided to launch our research study. We worked with our IRB here on campus and have the IRB is the. I'm going to let Karen oh, give the, that's the <laughs> institutional review board. So that's our governing body to make sure that we're doing ethical research, right? That we're not doing anything that would harm the students in the classroom. In particular, let's say a student could not participate or did not want to participate. We want to offer alternatives to the student and make sure it doesn't affect their grade in the course. So it's just a review board to make sure that we're doing the study really ethically. I understand. Yeah. So from there, we just launched our survey. It's a quick eight question survey. We're asking them, um, what was your grade normally before a test? What was your grade after you applied the physical activity? Um, how hard did you wor work out light, medium to hard? Um, how long did you wait until you apply? Like, did you wait 30 minutes and then take your test? Did you wait an hour and 20 minutes and then go take your test? And the one thing that we are making sure that we emphasize, and Melissa, you mentioned this earlier, um, this doesn't replace studying. <laughs> this doesn't replace <laughs> sleep. Like we all know we have to have our eight hours of sleep. This doesn't replace um, eating healthy. There's so many things that we have to keep doing, but this is just another application that can help with that grade point average. That's wonderful. Karen, what um, has been your involvement as a uh, uh, director of assessment. Mm -hmm. So Mary mentioned that they had this initial idea in the pilot and Dr. Prostowski said, go big, bring it scope. And that's when they reached out to the Center for Data Science to partner with us to engage in a more formal college-wide study of the research. So I became involved in the summer of 2017 um, they already had the idea for the research design. They just needed someone to help kind of crunch the numbers and put the data together and the plan together. So we started to administer the surveys in the summer of 17. Mary mentioned we're over 14,000 now. Students have responded That's to that impressive. survey. So every semester we collect the surveys. We analyze them by the semester because you could have a funky semester, maybe something like COVID, you know, something exactly. could happen. We're looking at by semester, by academic year, and then for the totality of the study. We look at it the three different lens we look at the study to see, are we seeing any changes? Are we seeing the results are steady? And what we're noticing is no matter how we look at it, the results are consistent. I'm curious, John, if, if you've considered or if you've heard of similar studies, considered doing such a study here on campus with music or heard of studies elsewhere that involve this kind of analysis well, of music? There have been so many studies on the impact of musical training uh, and academic achievement um, most of them, though, are not looking at immediate impact. It's not if I, uh, say, play music for 20 minutes and then go take my test, what's the impact on that test? To my knowledge, and I haven't done a deep dive on it, that hasn't been done. So what we normally are seeing is what's the effect of uh, playing music, practicing music over time, and finding that that 15-week window winds up being uh, the sweet spot to really see noticeable and permanent uh, changes uh, to the brain and how the brain functions. 15 weeks. 15 weeks. Well, how perfect is that for right? a semester? For, for a semester, <laughs> exactly. Did yeah. an academician create that timeline? <laughs> they may have. May have. So that, that, was in, that study in particular was looking at... Um, uh, elementary and, and middle school students uh, that had um, issues with dyslexia and spelling. Uh, and they found that 15 weeks was all it took to see noticeable improvements in the musician group versus the non-musician um, group uh, in, in that particular trial. Uh, it was pretty fantastic to see. Uh, and they also noticed between that and then three or four others um, who were, were also looking at 
how, how good do you have to be to see the effect uh, and discovered mm -hmm. you don't have to be a good musician to see the effect. You just have to do the thing. All right. Mm -hmm. Just participate. Uh, just uh, get involved. Just make some music. And even if you're terrible at it, you're still going to see that positive effect of having tried the thing. And that was pretty fantastic to see. Now, for us at LCC in particular, um, when, I, when I got here, I was very interested in ways that I could connect music broad, more broadly across the college. Uh, and I, and in fall of, I think it was fall of 17. Because, uh, yeah, interestingly, yeah. right when you started your study, that's when, when you uh, uh, joined uh, uh, faculty here. Yeah, yeah, that's when I got to campus and, and wanted to connect the music program, which um, at the time wasn't horribly well known on the campus, uh, more broadly, and asked Dana Cogswell, um, who thankfully helped me through the process of figuring out what I was really asking. She's wonderful. Uh, and, and we did a data poll looking at people on campus who were non-music majors but participated in our, in our music ensembles and how did they do. And we discovered uh, notably that there was a bump in GPA. I can't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it was either a, a third of a, a point or a half of a point uh, increase. If someone was involved in, say, concert choir for a semester, they tended to have a higher GPA than those who were not involved in the music ensemble relative to the population. Uh, we also noticed a 20% increase in retention and a 20% increase in completion for those who were involved in a music ensemble versus those who weren't. And that's pretty fantastic. Now, we haven't done a full actual study on this to really track it in real time, but that's a data pull over. I think it was a 10-year period um, preceding my time uh, in 2017. Okay. Uh Jumping back to the the exercise part of it, because I'm, I'm, you know, different things are happening in your body when you're doing exercise. you whether it's it's strength training or cardio. Then playing musician, though, there's certainly, depending on the instrument you play, you need some strength for some of those heavier instruments and and uh, uh, stamina. Um, but different things are happening. Does it matter what kind of exercise you're doing? That's you're great, nodding yes. Yes, that's a great <laughs> question. I'm glad you asked it because, yes, the research is behind the cardiovascular. So the walking, biking, running, elliptical, Stairmaster, anything that's going to get your heart rate up. Um, is that because of the oxygen? That the oxygen, into, yeah, increase, everything. With weight training, they're starting to study it, but there's not a lot of research on it yet. There may be some impact because we do know your heart rate goes up a little bit, but we do know that during the cardiovascular, the heart rate goes up, typically stays up for that extended period of time. With strength strength training, you know you have a little bit of a break when you rest or change muscle groups. So all of the research right now is the cardiovascular exercise. And it's one of the questions we will ask students on the survey is what type of cardio did you do? We want to ensure that they have the fidelity to the research. Are they applying the criteria? So when we look at the numbers, we're looking at them in context. So she has three criteria to her study. One is it has to be cardio. Two, it has to be for about 20 or 30 minutes in duration, and you want it to be about 30 to 45 minutes before you do the tester exam. So very different than what John's describing, the timeline for that. Mm -hmm. So when we look at the data, I'm going to also look at how many criteria did the student apply and adhere, and what's that relationship then to the student outcome. And what we're finding is the more you apply the criteria, the higher the outcome is going to be. Right. So if you still apply just one criteria, you'll get a little bit of a bump. But if you get all three, you're going to get a larger bump. Hmm. That's interesting. I, I, do you have interaction with students after uh, this? And I'm curious what their response is to see, you know, like, wow, look at, look at how well I did. Do they have that kind of reaction? So they do. We have an open-ended question at the end of the survey that they can choose to provide feedback, and a lot do. Mm -hmm. And we got some great feedback about the increase in focus um, they felt like they could just think. Um, they felt like their test anxiety had kind of dissipated. Um, 
So a lot, a lot of those similar buzzwords that they're reporting back. And then we also have a wonderful video on our website about a nursing student that um, we would encourage everybody to watch that explains it almost perfectly as to what happened with her and her test anxiety. So her name's Lisa and it is on our website. I shared that link with you. So I'm encouraging everybody to go watch her video because I don't want to steal her thunder. It's a, <laughs> it's a goosebumps three minute video that everybody needs to watch. I, well, I've, I'll I've include watched the video and it is absolutely worth watching. Oh, I've, I've got to see it. And I'll include the no, uh, the links that you all share in the notes that'll Thank be you. online for, for this episode. So everybody can access those. Um, that's, that's really impressive. And, um, it's, it, you know, that's kind of, it's interesting because that's an immediate, uh, improvement. Whereas you said, John, it's an improvement over time when you're playing music. I mean, there certainly is immediate, um, reward when you're playing music or listening to music of, you know, generally if you're improving too, there's the satisfaction of that or the experience of, of being with other people, um, and playing music together. Right. Yeah. The, the immediate impact largely that, that we know that has been studied and demonstrated is the emotional regulation, right? And, and whether you're listening to music or you're playing that music, can you regulate yourself in a better way, um, immediately following and during? And yes, you can. That's been demonstrated. Uh, we haven't been able to demonstrate long-term is there an immediate impact other than we can see some fMRI, um, studies that can show the brain is lighting up in different ways immediately following, but that hasn't necessarily been directly tied to achievement following uh, unless we look at over the course of 15 weeks do we see that progression and we, we can prove that at this point right what's fmri uh <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, it's magnetic resonance but, but i don't oh. know what the f stands for okay um, I'm, I'm going to look to my HHS colleague to possibly, <laughs> no, I'm not going to, okay, I won't throw you into the deep end. Uh, <laughs> so it's some kind of physical... Uh, it, it's a brain scan. Yeah. Okay, yeah. gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I hadn't heard that hmm. that term before. So, yeah, that's interesting. There was a, uh, John, I know you've done um, talks here on campus about this um, for faculty and staff, and there was there was uh, some research that you, you quoted from... Um, a uh, faculty member at Illinois State University, Don Davis, and she said learning a musical instrument has comparable impacts on the brain to a full body workout, especially pertaining to executive function. And I know we're talking about uh, different results, different activities, but that there's there's something comparable. Can you speak to that executive function aspect of music? Well, as the person who used music as my first uh, medication for ADHD, uh, th that's your executive function right there. So we're looking at memory concentration, the ability to, to do the thing when you know you need to do the thing and to follow through on it. Um, that's really what we're talking about. There, there are, there's uh, a short-term memory and a long-term memory component to it. And in, in every aspect of executive function, when we're talking about participating in music, not just listening, but participating in music as an active uh, musician, we're seeing increases to executive function across the board. Some, some of them more strongly than others, but in every single aspect of what we call this grouping of things called executive function, playing music will make you your, your better version of self. So there's the similarity, the connection really is the involvement in either of these activities that has a positive impact on academic performance, how they work, the fact that they work on the brain is similar, but exactly how they work, the amount of time that they take is, is different, yet it's all here at LCC, and you're doing brain breaks uh, in HHS. Those are little activities that that how to brain break. And what I'm what I'm going to get at, and what I want to hear from each of you is, how can this be further incorporated to to benefit more students at LCC, whether it's music or exercise or music and exercise together. Absolutely. So on our website, we have what we call brain breaks, which are two to three minute 
literal breaks. If you have five-minute break in your class, you could beam it up on the screen, and it's just a movement break. So this is for faculty to say, we're going to do a brain break? or Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So any faculty member? Any faculty member. Um, we encourage it, again, for our employees, too. Um, we also have what we call activity breaks. So those are 10-minute videos that are already prepared. And that would be if you, say, have a four-hour class and you give your class a longer break, um, you could beam that up on your screen and have your class engage in a 10-minute activity break. So they're moving around. We have crazy, what we call crazy jacks, so they're doing jumping jacks and crossing the midline. And um, But, yeah, they're all free. They're on our website, and they're anybody can access them at any time. And John's uh, pulling my heartstrings here because um, I have two children that are medically diagnosed with ADHD as well. And so this is something that we've incorporated at home, not just here uh, for professional reasons, but I do this at home. And I was telling him through an email a while ago that when we did go home for COVID and we were doing online learning for two small children, we always had classical music <laughs> playing in the background. And then between subjects, they would do some type of physical activity because of them being able to focus in on the material um, and really get that abstract reasoning and, reasoning and concentration. So when he said that, I was like, oh, you're killing me. <laughs> um, so I've, I've applied it at home with the music and the physical activity, and that's why it's like I would love to do more here on campus and how can we partner and make this a thing, like yes. music and fitness. Like this, this could be a thing, and everybody could benefit from it. Absolutely. And a great place of intersection, I think we could start with that, is looking at what are you doing when you're doing your exercise and how many people listen to something? Mm -hmm. What is that? Are you listening to music? What kind of music are you listening to? Is it music that you chose or somebody else chose? I mean, there, there's a part of the study right there just of the listening aspect because, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, the research is pretty clear on the motivational aspect or motivational possibility of listening to music while you're exercising. And when you listen to the music that you like, that you choose, mm -hmm. you're going to exercise harder, longer, faster, uh, and get more out of it um, because of that. So that's going to speak to the, the the emotional aspect in, in some capacity. Um, in terms of how do you, how could we get more involved in, in music and in general, um, I, I will say one, as you're studying, use music. And I don't mean just listen to it. I mean, those, those acronyms that we all need to learn or those, here's a list of things I need to memorize, make a song out of it, oh. drum a rhythm mm -hmm. and, and speak it pace in a certain, you know, tempo. So you can, you know, have, have that sense of, of continuity while you're trying to memorize things. Now, how much of that is the actual music? How much of that is uh, activating the brain, you know, kind of priming it to recognize patterns and anticipate things. How much of that is, it's just another part to, to encode into the memory. So now we're pulling that file out. It's got more markers on it, more keywords, so to speak. Uh, that could be an aspect, certainly. Um, but that, those are easy ways to get started. Same thing in the classroom. Faculty members, faculty members, please utilize music in some capacity. Make a silly song. Have the students dance a little bit. You'd be amazed what, what kind of difference that can make. Use that as your brain break if you want. Uh, but then beyond that, if you want to see a more mar marked uh, change, let's get involved. We have so many possible music ensembles on this campus, uh, both for credit, for zero credit, and just students who want to get together and have a good time. Um, get involved in that way, and you will get that long-term effect that we talk about. Uh, earlier in the podcast. Absolutely. And those ensembles, again, one, one thing that strikes me also about both of uh, the, the, these both exercise and uh, music is that both can be intimidating. I mean, how many times have I like popped in the gym and said, oh, I want to make an appointment and talk with somebody about starting a program. And they're like, yes, please do. And then I don't. Or, you know, <laughs> I get a new, a gift, I'm gifted an instrument and uh, it's, it's there in a 
drawer uh, because it's small, like a harmonica. Or, <laughs> but I've I've been gifted bigger instruments too. But there's a you know it, there's a bit of a hurdle to get over if you haven't had that experience. And I do I just want to echo you, John, um, in terms of the ensembles here, having participated in them and not considering myself a musician. They are open to everyone at every level of experience and the non credit. That's great. The zero credit option, it's, it's you know, because for a whole lot of people, it's not going to be on a pathway. But, uh, you know, otherwise, it's it's very good. We have just a couple minutes left, and I want to give each of you an opportunity to share, uh, you know, if you have a, a one additional thought or comment that you'd like to make as we wrap up. I'd like to add that we've expanded our research study this last year, and we'd love to have more faculty involved in that. So we mentioned the survey we've run so far, the 14,000 students, is a survey, which is students' perceptions, which is good. That's a good entry into the research. But we'd like to get into the direct evidence of the actual tests that are being done in the classroom. So if you have that killer test or that test that students are challenged with, this is an easy intervention to add to it, and then we can follow that data to see, is this intervention supporting student success with that really killer test that you have? So I would encourage faculty to get involved and contact our fitness and kinesiology faculty to get involved in the study. Great, thanks Karen. Sure, and I just would like to share, um, you know, music in here at LCC, it's free. Our, all of our fitness facilities are open to students and employees for free. Just bring your star card for entry. Uh, they are also staffed by degreed and uh, certified trainers. So we have people you can work with because we do understand a big piece of this is the intimidation. It's the hardest part is walking through the door. So we'd encourage you to do that. Work with one of our instructors, get you started on a plan, bring your music. <laughs> we encourage you to bring in the music. Um, but that would be the biggest thing is please come in and see us. Um, it is free. And one last thing is the increase that we've seen has been one grade band jump, meaning our students are improving by 5%. So if they're typically an 80% student, they're jumping to an 85% student. So it's it's worth it. That's a big, big improvement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thanks, Mary. John, 30 seconds. 30 <laughs> seconds. Uh, just do the thing. Uh, you don't have to be good to get the results. You just need to try. That is great advice. Thank you. Thank you all three so much for being here and great conversation. John Tenbrink with LCC Music Program, Mary Crows with Health and Human Services, and Karen Hicks with the Center for Assessment. I'm Melissa Kaplan. You've been listening to LCC Connect and this podcast, Galaxy Forum. If you'd like to hear other episodes of this podcast and all the LCC Connect programming, visit lccconnect.org. Mm -hmm.